0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen, powered by ELEC 825. We are thrilled to join you on WWDB 860 AM and the 97.5 Network, ready to help you move into the weekend, talk about all the news in the world of sports. Jeff, I know you didn't stay up for Thursday Night Football, did you?
1: It's over. The <laughs> long national nightmare is over. No Thursday Night Football until next season.
0: You don't have to take these questions from me. No,
1: or? but but I, I would like to congratulate John Gruden on outdoing Anthony Lynn and choking in a game. It's okay. pretty impressive. I mean, what the John Gruden, the genius. How many games in a row have the radio, Raiders now lost? The did you, Oakland Raiders? Did, did, yeah, did you see he had to change his hat <laughs> in the first to the second quarter? That was funny. How does it, just logistically, how does that happen? Oh, does you. he just have a hat? I mean, look, they give them new merchandise, like every game to wear on the sidelines and stuff because there's all these different events. He just happens to have a, a hat from last year that says Oakland just hanging around his office. They right. moved.
0: For our listeners Jeff and I have been doing this show like five years now and it is hilarious his infatuation with hats in sports <laughs> doesn't like in the NBA when players have to wear hats after they're traded you doesn't understand how coaches choose their hats in football games wow I forgot Hat- about the trade thing yeah you're right thing for you apparently mm-hmm. uh, why don't we uh we save our talk and uh we'll have a lot of banner later but why don't we get right to our first guest and get things going Jeff sounds good. With the holidays coming up, we wanted to have on Eagles defensive tackle Malik Jackson on. Talk a little less about football, a little more what athletes do off the field in the community. Malik, uh, thanks so much for giving us a few minutes today. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you guys for having me on your
0: platform. I really appreciate it. Uh, we appreciate it. Jeff and I were, were talking. You're sort of the perfect athlete to have on our show. We, we like to talk about... The impact that athletes can have on the community and, and how they use your platform their platform. And you know, we see what you're doing now, but we see what you've done for your career. Can you talk about what it means for you to be able to give back to the community using the platform you have before we get into the specific things that you do?
2: Yeah, no, um to me it's huge to give back, you know, because um, you know, doing my second contract and you now my third contract, you know, I understand that the the, the people in the city are the ones really giving the money because they don't want to buy the tickets, you know, paying for, for the team. So, you know, for me, it's one of the things I think I've learned. Um, one that, you know, having money doesn't make you anything, you know, in my opinion, really helping people makes the man. So, um, you know, coming to these cities and seeing people trusting in me and giving me the opportunity to feed my family. I think it's only right that I give back and, you know, help them out in their time and needs.
1: Malik, one of the things that you, you've you done in the past is, is be involved in the Salute to Service, including being nominated for the Salute to Service Award in 2018. How did you get involved in that?
2: Um. Well, it went back, like I said, when I got my second contract. Um, I just realized that, uh. you know, money doesn't make the man. You know, I think everybody makes a big deal. If you get this much money, you're going to be this, you're going to be that. And I really felt really uh, lonely. And um, so I, I told my publicist, we talked about a lot of things, and I said, you know, for me, I want to be able to give back. Um, I think that that would help me. So we did that. We found up some places in Jacksonville and, um, and we created a um, foundation. And um, I, I felt, you know, really good about myself and, and and I felt good about things I was doing. So we just kept doing it.
0: You know, you mentioned creating your foundation. You started Malik's Gifts in 2016 as a way to support the military at-risk youth and animals. Some of the projects you've done have been amazing. You've you hosted co-drives and... Had adoption drives, taking kids to the movies, provided scholarships. And, and I saw you say, I've been told that in order to make the world better, you have to help people. Can you talk a little bit about what it's been like to help people through this organization and how special that is to you?
2: Um, It's, it's been awesome. You know, Malik's gift has really uh, allowed me to really meet a lot of people as far as gold, um, uh, gold star moms. Um, I, I hope I'm saying that right. Um, and then, uh, you know, meeting some kids who are um, taking kids to the movies whose parents are... Away, protecting this country, you know, just to see the smiles in their face. Um, and actually, actually went back to Denver where I did something in Colorado Springs for some um, youth that had people had their family either um taken from them or um and protecting this country. So, seeing the smiles in their face, and, um, you know, just just the sacrifices they give, it just puts things in perspective. You know, one of our guys, um, Ronnie McLeod, just went down um this this last week with ACL, and I'm and I'm talking to him, and uh, he's like, yeah, you know, I just did this thing where we packed. For his charity where they went to the store, they were packing groceries and they just passed out hundred dollar gift cards to pay people's groceries and he upset people were crying and stuff and you know, he was like, Man, you just put things in perspective. You know, well uh, my injury is, you know, it sucks, but you know, there's people out here we can still help and, and put a smile on our face on their face. And um, you know, I think just, just moments like that truly really show you what life's about and what's really important.
0: You know, I saw I saw he went even after the injury, he went the other day and he said, Well my leg still works and he was there. Yeah the gifts and you can tell the impact that it has on, on the athletes when they really get to make that impact. It was just, it's special to see when, when you guys engage in the community like that, this isn't your, your first time in the the community doing things. I mean, I saw over the summer um, you basically helped a hundred thousand families in Philly. You woke up one morning and said, you didn't think enough was being done. And you found a bunch of organizations, including Fred's footsteps to, to help out. Can you talk about how that came about?
2: Yeah, once again, talking to my publicist, Robert Wilson, you know, once we got to the city, um, I, you know, I'm leaving Jacksonville, I said I want to continue the things with Malik's gifts um, here. And uh, we were able to find Fred's footsteps. And, um, you know, they, my publicist, I and Fred's footsteps talked and we saw where they needed a need and, and we just donated where we found they needed a need. And they were one of the um, foundations that truly do a great job in Philadelphia of, of, of reaching people and, um, and and all kinds of walks of life and um, just, just sharing it. It was a no-brainer to to, um, partner with them, and it's been a blessing partnership ever since. So um, I'm just glad I got to meet them, and and they do a great job of community. So whatever we need, we just go to them, and and they have a a good plan on what, what needs to be done.
1: Malik, you've also been involved in something that you set up called Nala's Gift, which is named after your daughter, to help offer scholarships for graduating high school seniors. Um, how did you get involved in that and how, how important is it to you to give back in a way to make sure that other people get an education or the opportunities that you had?
2: Um, education is extremely important to me. You know, it's one of those things growing up, you know, uh, you hear it all the time, you know, either in my community, you play sports or, or, or you do this, or you, you play football, basketball, or you rap, you know, and for me, it's one of those things I want to change that stereotype in, in my community, just being able to give kids opportunity, you know, to, to help them get to college and, 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 and the financial, um, take the a little bit of financial burden off their back. And I understand growing up in California, you know, we had Southern Cal and UCLA right down the street, man. and I was fortunate enough to go to Southern Cal on a scholarship. But, you know, you, you look at the kids that go there, and you realize that's 50K a semester. So, you know, knowing that and just, and just realizing, you know, my, my blessings, I was like, let me just try to set up a, a, a scholarship fund where I can go back to my high school first help these kids, you know, reach their dream. And, and, and then hopefully it gets right across the states. But um, yeah, it's just it's been a blessing to be a blessing. And um, that, that's just how I see it.
0: So we get to what you're doing currently. You're, you're working with several of your teammates. You purchased and in turn donated 1,500 new coats to families in need in the area. Burlington stores matched that with another 1,000 coats. Uh, can you talk about what it means to know that families will be warm and have the appropriate clothes this season because of the work that you're doing? It means a lot, you know.
2: Um, it, it, it means a lot, but I, I can't lie. This is this is. I, I feel like this is what I'm supposed to be doing. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it does feel good, but it's almost like, a, okay, now what's next? You know what I'm saying? Because especially in these trying times, you know, I'm out here living my dream, providing for my family, and so many people can't. So for me, it's one of those things like, you know, I, I think it's only right that I go out here and, and, and help people in, in, this, in this crazy time. So, um, you know, I'm already looking for what's next. Going back to Rodney, I'm asking what he's doing this for Christmas and and some things, and and I'm just trying to just move on. So, I mean, it feels great, but, man, I'm just trying to just just help as many people as I can while I have this platform and while I can have people like Buddy for co help me out and and want to partner with me. So, um, just got to keep going.
1: Malik, how do you find time for all of this? Last time I checked, you're also playing football.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, luckily, man, I have a great guy, and like I said, my publicist, Robert Wilson, and um, my manager, Tony, Tony, Um, Awesome, Semi. And uh, they do a great job. I just tell them what I want to do and what I'm thinking and um, they can make it concise and and make it tangible and um, get the people to help us. And um, it's just been awesome to have those two guys on my team. All
0: right. So we know you're a football player. We know that you help out in the community. My understanding is you're also a soccer fan. This is uh, more of a love than football even for you, European football.
2: Oh, soccer. Yeah, you broke up. You said I love soccer.
0: I hear that you're a big soccer fan and we can catch you playing a little FIFA when you're not playing football. Where did that love of European football start from?
2: Um, it started in high school, man. I'm, I'm actually watching a Chelsea Woman half game right now, I have it on mute. But um No, I just I just I just started watching it, man, and um I just appreciate their speed, to their hip work, you know, just the, the the limberness, man, just everything about what they do, the footwork, you know, especially being D line, just their their footwork and I just like how big they can be, you know, watching um, Ronaldo and Messi and just seeing how they're like world stars, you know, that's, that's so cool to me. And I just, you know, uh, I think football, I would like football to be like that, you know, so it's one of those things. I just, I just love, love the way they play the game. I love the footwork. Like I said, I love the way um, FIFA does it. I feel like a good job of just putting games on all the time with the Champions League and all that. So um, I, I just got into it just because I, I love the way they play and um, I love their skill set.
1: You know, Malik, I heard you earlier, you were talking about um, how you and Rodney were talking about what's the next thing that you can do for the community. What's it like to be on a team like the Eagles where you have so many like-minded teammates?
2: It's awesome because I've been on some teams where guys, you know, you pass around the sheet to donate and guys get zero. And, and it's it's a, it's hard, you know, because you, you want to let guys know, you know, it's not all about, when you, you know, you got young guys that come to the league and they think, oh, me, me, me. You know, I try to let them know it's not, it's not always about that. You know, you're going to get to a point where, you know, you, it gets to a point where you, you're riding around in your Rolls Royce and everybody asking for money and food, do you really feel good about yourself? And, and, then I, and I think it's, you know, if you think like that, then, you know, helping people should be the one thing you want to do.
0: Yeah. I did want to ask you, know. you grew up in a military home. You, you credit your dad a lot for your work ethic and preparedness. Jeff, I know coached his son, your dad coached you and your twin brother. What was that like to, to be able to have your dad play that role? growing up because we talk a lot about the influence that coaches and parents can have on kids as they grow up
2: yeah in the in the moment it's tough you know as, as a kid you know you you just want to be free uh play the game you know but you your dad's coach you you know he has he has um foresight of where he wants you to be how he wants things to go and um you know like I said at the moment it was like ah, uh, like I remember not being there playing the game because there was a I guess now we call it a contractual dispute about me and my brother Back then, um, you know, playing with the team and stuff like that. But uh, now that I'm older, you know, um, I think he's raised me right, like like to be, you know, to be where your toes are, to be committed to what you're doing. Um, you know, to look at not back then it wasn't business, but now you know I can um, kind of say you know look at the business aspects of things and everything going on around you. So it's, uh, it's tough when your dad coaches you, you know. But I think you learn a lot of the game not only on the field but off the field, which so he talks to you all the time and really motivated me and, and showed me things. So it was. It was nice.
0: What's this season been like for you and, and other players? You're you're a veteran at this point. You you've gone through this ride before, but it seems like it's a first time for everybody, given what's going on. What's this been like for you this season? Uh, it's been tough.
2: Um, and, I, and I say that in as the aspect of coming off the list, Frank. Um, coming here, just just trying to trying to really do things and not saying being limited, but having to uh, be accustomed to you know having a new foot, so to speak. Um, and not only that, just, just finding yourself again, you know, as far as, like, your timing and your pass rush and you're getting off of your physicalness and you're finding your hands and, and you know, and, and, and just getting your confidence again. I think that was um uh, something I, I had to work on and kind of am still, you know, just finding that. But uh, being on this team has allowed me to watch Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave, you know, they those guys that really came in and, and allowed me not to feel too much pressure on myself to, to really have to do everything. And I can sit back and have guys I can learn from, talk to, have cerebral football conversations and not just you know um just feel like you're on an island so uh it has been tough but the, the guys that um howie Roseman put around me in the d-line room has, has been awesome and a lot of help
1: you know you mentioned fletcher cox you're on one of the best defensive lines in the nfl what's it like to be on a line with those guys and work with them
2: um it's nice you know it, it's it's a it's a um it's a friendly competition you know we all understand the hierarchy of the room you don't understand such a thing you know what I'm saying um I understand Javon came in just got paid you know and they understand who I am um so it's one of those things we have a healthy understanding and we have a healthy co- um competition with each other and um and saying that I think we all want to see I know we all want to see each other succeed but we also want to um you know be the best in the room with the sacks and stuff and the tackles and and showing up so I think um, you know the front office did a good job of bringing guys that can uh, compete, but also be compatible.
1: Malik, how can people that are listening to the show, and how can Philadelphia Eagle fans and Philadelphia fans in general, how can they help with the things that you're working on now?
2: Um, they can help. Uh, excuse me. They can help by um, I posted a picture on my Instagram. They can go on the Instagram there the link um, with Burlington Coat Factory. Um, they can they can know that the coach will be donated to um, two locations, two nonprofit organizations that spread footsteps and uh, create, those to kay- create those to crayons. And um, yeah, like I said, just go to my Instagram, Del Malik Jackson, I'm oh, sorry, yeah, Del Malik Jackson, and um, every other information you need is there.
0: Well, we will make sure to share the information how people can help. And uh, like we said, you're, you're the ideal athlete for us to talk to because um, we love the impact athletes make. So as you come up with new ideas and ways to help. Uh, we'd love to talk to you about it if you have the time and uh, we really appreciate you giving us a few minutes and thank you for what you're doing in the community to make things better.
2: No, thank you for your platform and, um, you know, just putting some light on uh, light on what I'm doing. I
0: appreciate you guys a lot. You have a wonderful day. Thank you. You know, you know Jeff, um, we hear from these athletes and I love to hear the stories of how they make their involvement their own Uh, we, anybody can talk about the X's and O's of a game and and we, we love to break down sports, but we love when athletes use the opportunity that they have to make a difference. And that's exactly what he has always done and what he continues to do here in Philadelphia.
1: Well, you know, what? it's even more impressive because he's, he's not a Philadelphian. He hasn't been here that long and he got here and he immersed himself in the community and he is a, a a benefit, and we're all better for having people like him in the community and using their platform. Um, It it is incredible to see what he's done and what some of the other Eagles have done. I mean, we've talked about it in in the past few years, uh, how involved athletes in our city are in the community.
0: Yeah, it's, um, you know, anybody can get upset or excited about the records. There's plenty of that to go around. Fandom is a fun thing, but when you talk about the difference that they're able to make, there are 2,500 people who will have a coat going into this winter because of what Malik Jackson and his friends are doing this week. And, and, and Burlington. And Burlington. Yeah. And that's, you know, you you can't beat that. So we'll get back to stuff on the field, but I, I want to move to some soccer, Jeff. Let's, uh, let's hear it from the man himself. Let's go right to our interview with Ernst Tanner. Uh, we are thrilled to be joined this morning by Ernst Tanner, the sporting director of the Philadelphia Union, winner of the 2020 Supporters' Shield. First, congratulations, Ernst, on this well-deserved title. Thanks for a little time today. Thank you for having me. Can you tell us a little bit, what, what does the title mean to to you and the club? Uh, this is obviously the first time you've been able to raise that here. You were able to raise it at home. Jeff and I were lucky to be there to see the excitement of everybody. Uh, what does that mean to you and the club this year?
3: I mean, uh, we never have won anything um, in competitive uh, seasons, and uh, we were struggling quite a bit in the cup competition, as everybody knows. So uh, it was it was tremendous for all of us, uh, overwhelming. Um, we never thought that we could do it, but you know, when when the season was going on and we were doing better and better and better, then you, of course you you are yielding on it and. Uh, Finally, we could do it and bring the support to Schultz. And uh, this is really the people of the, of the eye on an on a almost perfect season.
1: When you decided, uh, when you got here, you decided to extend Coach Curtin's contract. What did you see in Coach Curtin uh, that led you to believe that he could help this team get to the next level? And how, how enjoyable has it been for you to work with Coach Curtin?
3: Above all, um, the first question I, I asked uh, is, uh, is is a good guy and good to work with, and that that was that was answered with yes, very good, and uh, that's something I love to hear because uh, it's it's always important that you can work with guys that they are open-minded, um, you can discuss things and uh, brought a couple of ideas from Europe, um, and if that precondition would not have been there, um, we would have been struggling. So. I think Jimmy did a great job over the the last two years since I'm here and and I think he improved himself. uh, He was eager to learn uh, new things um, and and, and he he made a a real development. That's that's the reason why we have been uh, doing so well and finally could do something.
0: Now that you've been here in Philly for a few years and, and had some success, how do the Philly fans compare with the football fans abroad? (laughs)
3: <laughs> I don't think that uh, there is uh, much of a difference uh, with the Chile fans. They are very enthusiastic, but also uh, they like to criticise. It's a lot of emotion um, in Philadelphia, and uh, that's not so different from the ups overseas. Um, I mean, they were desperate for success, and, and we could really feel it Life after the, the final game of the regular season. How, how happy they were, and and uh, how enthusiastically they celebrated the win of the supportership. That I think uh, there were a couple of fans allowed in the stadium, and no one left. And that's the best sign you can have.
0: No, definitely, everybody was still there. We actually saw the story of when you came to town and you you went to a Phillies game and saw Bryce Harper booed. And when you told Curtin about it, he was like, "Yeah, that's normal." Uh, it, it his style for this club, and and being a Philadelphia guy. How important has that been for you as you've built the personality of this team? Because you seem to have a team that reflects the hard work of the city and the region.
3: Yeah, I uh, find I find it I find it's very important. Um, that you have uh, a regional guy. And, and it's, to me, it's also very important for the identification of the fans, having regional players as well. And... Uh, what uh, we have been doing with Jim uh, team and, and our home drones in the last couple of years is uh, yeah, it's, it's seen as exceptional leading countrywide. Right. That's, a, that's, a that's a good symbiosis uh, we are having with our fans as well. I mean, they, they apologize and they uh, by far easier if, if the guy is out of them uh, instead of uh, a comparable uh, foreign player who is maybe more expensive.
1: Ernst, you've been dealing with with developing and, and identifying talent for a long time, well before your time in Philadelphia. How did you de- develop your love for the sport, and how did you get involved in talent evaluation? Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm in the business
3: now for over 25 years. Um, I started my of course. I played uh, over in Germany, uh, but it was only on um, a subdivision division. Play. And I, I started quite early with my coaching career, and, and that's where I found my passion and my love for developing players, in particular in particular in the youth sector at that time. And uh, well, over the years, we, you know, you progress. Uh, I got a sporting director in the Bundesliga. Um, I got an academy director with one of the best development projects uh, in Salzburg um, and had a lot of touch with the development also uh, going up in the first team. And, and finally, I ended up in, in Philadelphia, which uh, is also known for, uh, for these processes. I mean, we, we are doing a great job in our academy. We have uh, great support from one of our owners, Richie Grant. Yeah, we, and, and, now, and now we are, we are dealing with uh, these processes. And sure, um, we have our first success, but there are still a couple of players in the pipeline which, which will follow. And that's, and that's good to know.
1: Before we get to, to the the Union Academy, um, one of the things that you've had to deal with as somebody who scouts talents is is dealing with agents. Uh, I read a story in the Irish Times about how you received tapes from an agent with some creative editing. Can you tell us a little about the Firmino saga? Uh,
3: uh, dealing with agents is business as usual for us. I'm, I'm really happy now that we have a situation which is uh, pretty... Easy to handle in comparison to what you have over in Europe, and that would kill mentality of the players. So we are we are here. Soccer here is not the number one sport, and uh, and 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 there's probably much more money to earn in in other sports, and that's uh, the reason why the the greedy ones are working probably somewhere else. For the development sector, it is important that the player keeps keeps, stays grounded, stays humble. is willing to work, accept decisions, and take things as they are and just save
0: them. How challenging has it been to scout, particularly this past year? I assume you have to rely on the word of other people with the inability to see some of these players in person. How has that changed the way you go about your business given the current climate?
3: I mean, scouting nowadays is uh, is done via data. And video mainly, but uh, in my in, in my eyes, it is absolutely necessary to have a personal contact to the player um, you want to go for, and uh, and him life. Um, and in terms of interactions with his teammates, in terms of his behavior on the field, uh, that's what we cannot always see in the video as the other camera is mainly focused on the ball, but uh, what, uh, 80% of the action is uh, more or less the players is maybe not even inside. So so it, it's difficult now due to the COVID period to do so, but we've got to find a way to, uh, to go to these places. Currently, I'm just on my way, by the way. We,
1: you know, we've talked uh, for a lot for, for probably the last couple of years about how the Sixers call their their, the way they've the method that they've gone about building their team, the process, and we've been saying that your team, the union, has gone about this process almost flawlessly in the way that you've developed talent, uh, young talent as well as bringing in veterans. Uh, what, it, how successful or how satisfying has it been for you to see the development of the young players and and to see them move on to another level?
3: Yeah, that's that's, uh, that's really hotel time when you have players you spotted in your academy you see a perspective from for them and then you you see them growing over the years once once they are going over or they are developing out of the, the league uh, meaning that they are developing better the league's level of course then they need to be sold or need to be the next step I mean, you always have a, a, a sad eye on that, but at the same time, if you if you really mean it well with the player, you cannot block it. The players, the players' progress is the most important thing, and there are quite a lot of players, even in our team, who have a really good perspective. Maybe even playing championship over in Europe.
0: You see players in the system like and that, Brendan,
3: and, and that makes that, that makes me that, sorry. Sorry, that makes me happy by the way as well when I see them there.
0: Oh, no problem. I wouldn't want to cut you off on that anyway. Uh, you know, we see players like Brendan Aaronson and Mark McKenzie playing for the U.S. men's national team. Brendan Aaronson getting a goal. Obviously the sale this year to RB Salzburg. What does this do for the overall brand of the union that now you're an exporter of talent on both the national level and the international level in terms of how people look at this organization when you go and approach them now?
3: Look, I think it's, I mean, for the club, it's Fantastic. Uh, I, I cannot. I kinda find a better goal, But I. I think that it is also very good for the image of MLS and the image of the soccer in the United States. The more and the better players you can bring over to Europe, where, yeah, excuse me for that, but but where the, <laughs> the most competitive football is is played, uh, the more participants in a way you have there, the better it is. And again, I'm so happy for Brandon. Yeah? There's still more to come, as you know.
1: Well, lucky for you, you have another Aronson on the way in Paxton. Uh, what can we expect to see from the next Aronson, and what other names should we start getting excited about?
3: Yeah. Yeah, good question, by the way. I mean, Paxton is a, is a fantastic player. He is, in my eyes, he's a true number 10 but at the same time, he just turned 17. And remember when Brendan stepped into the first team, um, he already turned 18. So he was a year older. And this is probably the reason why we need to be a little bit more patient. Uh, with accident, But uh, I'm pretty sure that he will have an impact on the team evaluation.
0: I'm just curious. This is the last one for me. How do you go about balancing now? Obviously, being able to sell Brendan brings more resources into the team. You've made moves last year. You have this homegrown talent coming up. How do you balance putting a team together in terms of getting larger names and international players to the team and then reinforcing that with your homegrown talent?
3: Yeah, that's, that's a, a, tr- a true fight. It's, we, are in a, in, we are in a position in this moment where everybody uh, expects us to be successful. But at the same time, we are uh, expected to develop our players as well. So, and, and that sometimes speaks against each other. Um, I mean, selling one Aaron, for example, yeah, is, is really good. But at the same time, we sold one of our best players. Bringing in the next one takes some time. And we're probably going to need that time. And in addition, of course, we need to look out in the transfer market. Which positions we we are uh, really needing, but we always have an eye on what we have in our pipeline before we sign players, and we, we we do not want to block that in in this, in this sense, and uh, have really need really carefully weigh how long does a homegrown need to be competitive, and do we have some bridge years or some bridge periods where we need an external player, and. Uh, uh, that balance is not always easy to hit, but we try our best.
0: Well, congratulations again on the success this year. We wish you safe travels and your scouting efforts and a very happy holiday season. I uh, look forward to hoping to speak to you in the new year and watch the continued growth of the Union. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. You're very welcome. Bye-bye. Ernst Tanner, I always appreciate him. He's literally flying <laughs> to go leave to, to scout. and. Gave go, us, to to get, go
1: find find more diamonds in the rough, more people to add to this team to build on the getting the supporter shield.
0: I don't know that people understand how much the reputation of this club changed this season. And not not just nationally, internationally. internationally. Yeah. Oh, no, and I I tried to to say that to him is, you know, he's one who would recognize it, but the clubs that are now going to approach them for their players and. The players now who will look, you know, those parents of young kids who will look to put their kids into the Union Youth Academy because they see how you can go and learn how to be a professional. And then once you're a professional, realize your dreams and be sold for a large amount of money. I mean, they've got a process now that's proven results and that's only going to help them going forward.
1: So I'm going to use a phrase, you got to let me finish the sentence because I know you're going to flip if you don't let me finish the sentence. I love
0: previews.
1: (laughs) (laughs) They're the gold standard. But, 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 but that's why you have to let me finish. Not as an organization for purposes of winning because they obviously haven't won a championship yet, but they have become the gold standard for player development. And because of their reputation, because of the players that have come through the pipeline, because those players are now being uh, traded. I hate the word sold, by the way. I don't like it at all. Uh, players-
0: would you, prefer, would you prefer purchased?
1: No, I mean, look, if you want to use traded, transferred, Transfer. um, yeah. but but the, the word sold has a connotation to me that I'm not particularly fond of. Yeah. So um, I, I won't get into it, but, I, but I, I just don't think it, I don't like the word. Okay. So, uh, but, but they have developed a, a process now that, you know, as much as we would all like to keep Aaronson, and I know I joke about the fact that we can, have, we're going to have another one so you can keep your Jersey. Um I just, they've, they've done something that's really hard to do, which is, is get a reputation for developing people. And in this sport, it's important because this is the only way that you can survive and sustain any level of success. It's not, It's not like other sports that we're used to, because we're not used to the way that soccer works around the world. And the way that soccer works is different than the way most other sports operate. And we all have to get used to it when it comes to soccer, and we can't compare it to other sports where we signed Bryce Harper for a decade, because that doesn't happen in soccer.
0: I want you to tell the story that Ernst, you know, he, he talked about dealing with agents, but tell the story of the player that uh that didn't quite live up to, to what the tape said. It so so Ernst Ernst was getting tapes
1: from agents. Um and, and apparently this is common. Agents will send tapes of of, of players they represent. A, a a tape was sent of a player and apparently the tape was sped up so that the shot looked faster than it actually was. And when he got they signed him when he got. They signed him even though they figured it out. They still thought that he was worth the risk, and they brought him in. and Apparently, he was also out of shape. So, <laughs> but but he apparently turned out to be a success for them. But you know, as he said, dealing with agents is is interesting.
0: It's got to be challenging for them now, not being able to see as much in person too. You really rely on other people's opinions and the video and, and there is a lot that can be manipulated. So I'm sure it's not easy being a GM or a scouting director. Well, and, he, and,
1: director. and he's dogged in his pursuit of people. I mean, there were, yeah. there's a story from years ago when he was, when he was in, uh, when he was in Europe um, and he wanted to scout somebody that was in South America, worked out with, or thought he had worked out that he was going to scout. This person flew halfway across the world, got there and they said, sorry, practices are closed. And, and he had to work his way in <laughs> to, to the arena to watch practice with nobody looking
0: made sure it wasn't a wasted trip yeah
1: but he but he's he's obviously been a great benefit to to this team and i mean how when's the last time we had an organization where you you were confident in the players you were confident in the coach and you were confident in the front office
0: yeah all at the same time as yeah That's uh, they've got a good combination going there. Uh, They've got a great location on the waterfront there. Hopefully it does spur the redevelopment they hoped for because that would be great for Chester and it'd be great for everybody around it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's let's move on to some other things. The Sixers are back on the court, Jeff. I know that you're getting excited. Uh, They have another game tonight against Indiana. They beat Boston the other night. Uh, You're wearing your Sixers gear if you're you're watching on the video. Mm -hmm. And yet, I still can't escape these ridiculous James Harden rumors, Jeff. I just want to watch basketball. And- well,
1: that's it. Can, can we not just get excited and, and start the season? I mean, do we have to just keep going through this because James Harden wants out? I mean, I, I don't, you know, there are people who obviously disagree. I think you and I share a, a similar belief that it's enough already. We don't want this. And, and yeah, maybe this. Won't work out what Daryl Morey has put together, but it's cert- we certainly need to find that out. And I don't know if it's time to give up on Ben Simmons yet. But the idea of giving up on Ben Simmons to get a guy as good as he is—he's out of shape. Which, which by the there's an irony to the fact that he's out of shape because if you saw the press conference the other day. They asked him about all these stories, including stories that in his favorite cities the whole team would have to basically stay there after a game so he could go out and party, on his, in his favorite city. And his response to the reporters, and the reporters were pretty dogged in their pursuit of of these questions, was he was there he was in Vegas because of his trainer, and he just kept repeating it. Well, he doesn't look like he's been hanging out with his trainer. Look. So you you want to bring a guy in here who his answer to getting everything he wanted, the team has been constructed over the last, what, eight years that he's been there the way he wants. And every time he demands something, including getting rid of coaches, getting rid of players like Chris Paul and Dwight Howard, um, and now Westbrook, who didn't want to play with him anymore and was fed up with his antics, is he gets what he wants. Now he's got his, apparently his friend on the team and he decides he's not only not going to show up, he's not going to get tested. Then he, which causes a whole problem with the league where he has to get six negative tests in a row. And and now he has this situation and he comes in out of shape and we're supposed to bring him here so that he can do this kind of stuff. I don't think that Joel
0: Embiid needs that kind of role model on this team. Look, I love our reporter friends, but you know, in a prior life, I've, on communications and worked in politics. So I often ask when I see sources and stories who benefits from the leak. There is no leverage right now for Houston in this trade, in this market. They're on the clock. They want to try and move him before the season starts. They've got a malcontent. The Sixers don't have to make a move. That leak to me didn't come from the Sixers. That came from Houston. And you saw Daryl Morey out there real fast saying we're not trading Ben Simmons. He could be full of it. But I mean, the Sixers were real fast to swat that down. But, you know, you talk about who has the ball in their hands at the end of the game. Do we have an answer for that yet this season?
1: That's what I was asked. Was was who who's the guy who's taking shots at the end of the game? And that's the only part of the equation that worries me. And we don't have somebody right now. Who is who's gonna who who on this team
0: is going to be your Jimmy Butler? So and I say this as somebody who has publicly said on the show, I don't want to make the move, uh, would you know who gets the ball in their hands at the end of the game and takes that last shot if I told you James Harden's on this team and not Penn Simmons? Well, it's going to be James Harden, but I, you could you could ask any, any one through 48
1: minutes exactly who's going to have the ball in their hands, and it's going to be James Harden at some point during the possession, right? So... <laughs> I mean, everybody else will just be standing around and it'll just be him and Embiid. That's the problem. Uh, The rest of the team is going to dread having
0: James Harden on this team. Well played, Jeff. Uh, You know who isn't going anywhere? Giannis. He's staying with the Bucs so your son can be excited. Five-year extension.
1: Did you you expect that to happen or did you accept him to test the market or at least go through this season before
0: he signed? I thought he'd test the market. I, I often don't understand... These guys that play out their contract, they don't understand how they don't test the market. I mean, you're a lawyer; you've done contracts. If you test the market, you have leverage in a negotiation. How much money did he get? Oh, I didn't see the actual contract. I mean, it's, it's over,
1: over two hundred million dollars. Yeah. Do you have you do you, you you know? I don't know if a lot of our our listeners know Giannis's background. Giannis was dirt poor. He was selling. He and his brothers were selling
0: things on the street in Greece. Yeah, but that happens where enough is enough for a player, yet the leadership of the union says, no, you can't take pennies on the dollar because it's a lot of money to you. It was he, the super you need to. I know, but I'm saying, they, yeah. they, they say you need to set the market here. I was just surprised that he didn't test it at all and see what his options were out there. Maybe he's comfortable with Milwaukee. I mean, he's going to be there for a while. so
1: I think he does. I mean, there have been stories. I think there was a 60-minute story when he first came up about how much he enjoyed Uh, Milwaukee, that he's not really a guy who needs the limelight. He does. He is competitive. He's ultra competitive. I mean, if you remember the story right before they went in the bubble, was that there were stories that he didn't have a basketball court and he didn't have a net, so he couldn't shoot during the pandemic. Turned out it was just all a lie. He thought he was somehow going to get something over on the rest of the league by doing it, which kind of was silly because it's not like the rest of the league's going. Oh well, if Giannis isn't going to practice basketball, I guess I don't have to either.
0: Right. Right. But Somehow he
1: thought that was going to give him an edge.
0: So by the time we are on the air again next, we will probably best of next week when we're on around New Year's Day or best of the Sixers will be playing. Will Ben Simmons be on the team when we are on the air for a live show next? Yes, year? absolutely. I, I think that's, I think you can bank on that. Okay. Let's do uh, you, do you, Yeah, I think so, but these rumors won't go away. Uh, and so like, it bothers me that they won't go away. Now, again, I question the source. I just want to see if this team can play together under new leadership. I, I just want to see if it works. I'm not saying that the players they brought in are the answer. Frankly, I'm not even saying it's going to work with Ben Simmons because I don't truly know. So,
1: so, here, so he, here's the way that you phrase it and the way that everybody else is phrasing it. And I'm going to ask you another question then. Okay. Every, 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 you don't like questions? Well, get your fence and you can get ready to sit on it if that's count, what you want to I'll do. I'll sit
0: right in the middle for you.
1: All of these discussions are about Ben Simmons being in the trade for Harden. Would you do the deal if it was Joel Embiid no, and in the trade? No, well, discuss- I, I know you say they're not going to do it, but did you watch that game? Which game? The The Sixers game. The yeah. Sixers, but okay. So I know how many points Joel had had. It's a preseason I, game. I I don't care. I saw a lot of the same thing, which is stopping from three point line to three point line, and he shot over four. He shot four three pointers and missed them all in the first half.
0: Does that fit into whatever Doc Rivers' offense Doc Rivers is going to run? Again, I
1: no, no, it doesn't. There's no way it fits into anything Doc Rivers does. It fits into what Joel Embiid has always done. He so doesn't think, look any better shape now than he did
0: last year, does he? You think the coaches still don't have control of what's going on?
1: I don't think it's I I. I I don't know about the word control. I, I think this is just what he is. I don't think that this is not Joel Embiid will always be a very good basketball player, but he's going to, he always be somebody that you scratch your head
0: just the way that Derek Coleman was that kind of guy to this conversation bleacher report with a push alert out now saying doc rivers called Ben Simmons and that he feels good about their conversation last night. He insists the hardened rumors are not coming from Philadelphia your thoughts Jeff.
1: <laughs> well that means that ben simmons is obviously upset about it yeah because uh, one singled be out there. right but the fact that doc Simmons that, that that doc rivers had to call him leads you to believe that he's that ben simmons must have griped or his agent must have griped and second if they had to publicize the
0: fact that he made the call
1: that's a problem too
0: Yeah, we're going to see how this all develops. Let's uh, leave the basketball there. Let's go to some football. Jeff, the Eagles won last week. Uh, How did that happen? I have no idea. Uh, All all I can say is that somehow the Saints weren't ready for what they saw. So the offensive line didn't allow a sack. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jalen Hurts and Miles Sanders both rushed for over 100 yards. Well, that may be why. Uh, But at the same time, Jake Elliott continues to struggle kicking. Mm -hmm. Greg Ward should not be, and you know I'm a Greg Ward guy in terms of. Oh, I know. Last year, that's all I had to hear was Greg Greg Ward. But as a return man, Mm -hmm. I can't continue to watch him let the ball hit the ground and then bounce 10 to 15 yards back when all you have to do is fair catch it. You don't have to return it. Just don't let it bounce from the 20-yard line down to the five. You ever try catching a punt in the cold? No, it really hurts, but I'm not supposed to put <laughs> Jalen Rager back there. Then apparently they were going to put him back there in the second half. He did it in college. Yeah, like come on. Oh, man. I know he did, and he did it really well in college. So they did have some injuries coming out of it. Rodney McLeod tore his ACL. Jack mm-hmm. Driscoll sprained and or a significant MCL sprain out for the season. Darius Slay in concussion protocol. So banged up after coming out of that win. Jeff,
1: there were more. In, there were more people who left. The field, especially on defense, other than the ones you just mentioned, it was it was crazy. It just seemed like every possession somebody went down and you wondered whether or not they were going to have 11 men to go out and play defense by the end of that game. So this week you've got a depleted
0: secondary with. Wow.
1: You just totally skipped over the fact that that Jalen Hurts almost gave the game away at the end with the fumble. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that wasn't good. I don't even understand why they did that. I don't either.
1: I, I don't know. And, and and so my question to you is, is, is that a play that was called? And if that's a play that's called, what was Doug thinking? Well,
0: <laughs> we've asked that a lot. This season. <laughs> hey, the reports are there that Howie Roseman isn't going anywhere. I haven't seen quite the reports that Doug isn't going anywhere. I'll ask mm-hmm. you again after last week's game. Everybody coming back? Everybody happy?
1: If Jalen Hurts keeps doing well, then yes. Because then they're gonna then then Carson Wentz becomes the fall guy for everybody who's trying to save their job, right? Isn't that how this works?
0: Right, that, that's what happens. Right? Yep. So,
1: somebody's got to be the fall guy for the season, and and if if Carson Wentz uh, played like he played and Jalen Hurts plays much better in the same offense in the same season, then the question is, is it Carson Wentz or was it the coach? And car and Jalen Hurts for one week. Let's not overreact. It was one week. Jalen Hurts made it
0: look like it was Carson Wentz that was the problem. The the team did operate differently. And the the one thing that that stuck out to me, and it's I know everybody's scrutinizing everything, but you can see there's a frayed relationship between the coach and the quarterback. You know, how often does Doug sit there and talk to Carson during the game?
1: There always was. There was dating back to the Super Bowl. But and it wasn't just with the coach. It was you heard stories coming out of the locker room that the players wanted Nick Foles instead of Carson Wentz, who, if you remember before he got hurt, was having an MVP like season. Right?
0: Has Carson Wentz gotten a fair shake with this team with the, the as the leader?
1: Oh, he's had plenty of time.
0: Okay. You, so cannot,
1: you, know, you cannot say that he has not had enough time. How many seasons has he been here now?
0: I'm not talking about time. I'm talking about with the backbiting and, and the stories coming out part. The
1: fact is you never know. You never look, know. Because it's, cause it's I, just calculated leaks. You don't know who's saying it, who's not saying it. You don't exactly. know what's true and what's not true. What I know is what I see on the field. And what I see on the field is not a guy. He's not a rah-rah guy. That's certainly it. But you don't see people. I don't know. You just don't see people rallying around him. And you, you yourself just said you you observed that you don't see Carson Wentz talking to the coach a lot.
0: No, I mean it's a minor thing. Every time Jalen Hurts came off the field, he was right there standing. And maybe it's because he's a young guy learning. But I mean, the team looked a little different last week. We'll see if it carries over to this week. Uh, I don't know what this team's doing anymore. I don't really know well, anything. Well, about
1: it. This, this week you have the what the last two Oklahoma star quarterbacks. Yes, you do. Yeah, you got
0: Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts. It should, be a, it should be a fun quarterback matchup. We'll see what comes out of it. Did you happen to watch the Monday night game last Monday night, Jeff? No. All right, so the all-time <laughs> bad beat of the game. Uh, it was a three-and-a-half point spread at the end. Uh, Ravens are up by three points. The Browns try and do a hook and ladder, a lot of laterals backwards, ends up with a safety out of the end zone, final point spread, five points. It was crazy. Wait, wait. What's the kick? The kicker is how. What was the point spread? Three and a half. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad I don't gamble anymore. Those when those things happen, those are the times that I remember just how awful I felt when I had money riding on a game at the very end. (laughs) And it's like, are you going to win? Are you going to lose? And it's like, I'm so glad
1: I don't. For for people who bet on on the NFL, isn't it worse when it happens on Monday Night Football because? You Can probably bet on a bunch of games over the course of the weekend, and so it all comes down to how your Monday night football things and all works out. And all of a sudden, you think you've won, and all of a sudden, you've lost.
0: Now, luckily, this year in the NFL, you have Tuesday night games, Wednesday night games. Oh, that's true. Yeah, Thursday night games and Saturday mm-hmm. games, but no Monday was always the no
1: more Thursday night
0: the makeup day, uh, any games grab your attention this week. We've got about eight, nine minutes left and anything on the NFL schedule before we move on.
1: No, I actually thought that probably one of the better
0: games was going to be the, the,
1: the chargers Raiders game last night.
0: Well, it was I mean, an interesting game. I'm not sure why anybody kicks field goals in San Diego anymore. Just don't do that.
1: I mean, with all the injuries and everything that's going on, they're just, there
0: aren't that many good games anymore. I want to hop to to baseball real fast, Jeff. A few things that were noteworthy this week. Uh, The Mets sign McCann for a four-year deal as a catcher. Good news for the Phillies keeping JT? No, I don't think it matters. Way to help me. Thank you. uh, You
1: you, you seem to think that the Mets are the only suitor. They're not.
0: Come on, man.
1: Yeah. it, It does make you question, though. The, if the Mets aren't going to use the money on JT Realmuto, whether JT has actually priced himself higher than he than his actual
0: value. Also makes you wonder where they're going to use their money because you know they're going to spend money.
1: But by the way, if, if they do sign him for significantly less money, you're going to lose your bleep. Because um, you've been screaming sign him at any cost. And if it turns out that they, they handled this the right way.
0: I will say I was wrong. <laughs> but let's be and,
1: I'm not, and I'm not saying the result, if they do sign him, that means they handled it the right I way. Saying, let's
0: be honest. If they get him, that doesn't mean they were right all along. Right. Yeah, they they still it's negligence that they didn't know this in advance of how this situation would play itself out and where their limitations were.
1: Yeah. But I thought that the more interesting thing that happened in Major League Baseball was the two things that happened
0: off the field this week. Yeah, Tell me about them, Jeff.
1: I mean, the, the first one was Cleveland. OK, so they are now getting rid of the Indians name. They are now getting rid of that that incredibly racist logo in the Chief Wahoo logo. And it is long overdue that they are doing that. Anybody who thinks otherwise, go ahead, be upset about it. Say you're not going to watch it because they're changing their name. They're going to sell lots of merchandise. And after a year, nobody's going to care one one way or the other, and they will have done the right thing.
0: All right. What's the other news? Uh,
1: The Negro Leagues. Um, Earlier this week, Major League Baseball officially recognized Negro Leagues play from 1920 to 1948. Has, and that, that means that all of those players' stats now count as part of Major
0: League Baseball. But it doesn't seem to make Josh Gibson the home run leader. I still haven't figured out the debate over what home runs of his count towards this, who has the most home runs ever. But it, I mean, it's obviously long overdue, the recognition. Well,
1: isn't, isn't the answer to that Sadaharo?
0: <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Well, yes, but I'm in Major League Baseball. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I should clarify. Yes. Uh, but look, I, th-
1: but I, th- I thought that was – I I didn't hear that was on the radar anywhere, but I, I think it was an important move, and I don't see any downside to that.
0: I wanted to get to some NCAA before we get off the air. So I actually get to watch Rutgers games that have some meaning now. Rutgers yeah, congratulations. In tonight in mm-hmm. football, I'm not sure why they're an underdog – that game they're at home yeah i don't get that at all and, and that, six and a half point underdogs at home against a garbage nebraska team and then a five and a Rutgers basketball team who beat maryland this week will play illinois number 13 in the rankings look am i gonna actually get some Rutgers winning stuff this year jeff
1: Uh, they'll have a winning record. The problem. I mean, now you're going to get into the big 10 schedule and we'll see how well Rutgers is going to hold up. I mean, the big 10, in my opinion, this year, this season probably has the best conference as far as basketball goes. You have, you have a lot of top five teams. You have Michigan Rutgers that are towards the bottom there that it's going to be a really good conference if they actually get through playing games.
0: So college football, uh, 24 hours after the Tigers of Auburn lost Mississippi State on Saturday, they fired Gus Malzahn. Uh, he is owed $21.7 million, 50%, which is due in the first 30 days. Jeff, oh, can I they, can love they, the way they negotiated that contract. Can, can they get Tommy
1: Tuberville back? <laughs> I'll just leave it at that, but can they get him back?
0: Well, it's, uh, it's a lot of money, and you know I get it, but you got cash-strapped public universities everywhere. And you're dropping right. 50 million well, it.
1: look, look, we all know that it's coming from boosters. That's yeah. that's where the money for the school. You know, some schools actually name their their coaches' salary after somebody. So I guess that's what they're gonna do.
0: Pac-12 title game coming up. Oregon replaces Washington, Jeff. Ridic-
1: just- so so let's let's lay this out. <laughs> So, the the Pac-12 championship game was supposed to be USC versus Washington, and and so they decided that they were going to set up a backup game, which was Oregon versus Colorado, and they were going to play each other unless one of the teams in the championship couldn't play, and lo and behold, Washington can't play because it can't field enough players. So now Oregon's going to go play in a game where they're not even the second best team in the conference.
0: And with a minute and a half left, I will give Baffling. you a to offer a take on the Notre Dame fighting Irish, who still have a chance to knock off the Clemson and appear in the BCS. You think both teams could end sure. up in the BCS anyway, but Brian Kelly says they may not go if families aren't allowed to go down. I-
1: There is not a single bone in my body that believes what he is saying. If anybody knows anything about Brian Kelly, there is no way that he is not going to play in the national championship if he can make it into it. No way. He, he, He can bark all he wants. He is so full of bleep. You don't have to bleep me. I'll just do it myself. It's nonsense. I love when I send you text messages like this. Yeah, because unfortunately for people, we can't really say what my my normal response was. But but that you all you also sent me something. Which which team do I want to win less? Notre Dame versus Clemson, and I can't repeat most of that. Well, it was
0: no, it was it wasn't about the teams. It was about the coaches. <laughs> it was which coach yes. you like less because yeah. we know how big of a fan you are of Davo Sweeney.
1: Are there two bigger blowhards in
0: profe- in, in college or professional sports? Will you be watching the championships this week? Because bowl season starts next week, Jeff. It's with, coming up. With? Uh, the bowl season starts Monday with the Myrtle Beach Bowl. And then on Tuesday, we've got the Idaho Potato Bowl and the Boca Raton Bowl. Why are they having bowls in a pandemic with no fans?
1: And no? Par- there's obviously not going to be parades anymore, right? So what's the point? I mean, the bowl was was something that was part of the community. Clearly, They can't do any of this stuff that's in a bowl. So now they're going to have the Myrtle Beach Bowl?
0: Clearly, I don't have Brian. Kelsey, Who's in it? Coach, uh, who is in the Myrtle Beach Bowl? As we have less than thirty seconds left, North Texas and Appalachian State. And I know that you shudder every time. Oh, I I,
1: I, I will be staying up to, I don't know what time it's on, but
0: no, nah, I won't be watching it. You'll be rooting for northwest North Texas. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Make sure to join us next Friday night to help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one. We'll talk to you next week. Bye bye.